Brother Carl, will you pray for before Aaron comes? to see this morning, and if you have your Bibles, you'll find 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This morning we wrap up our series that we've been uh, doing, walking through Paul's letter uh, to the church at Corinth. Uh, The church at Corinth was a church that Paul planted on one of his missionary journeys and spent some time there. and uh, grew to love the people, uh, and was concerned about them, and heard of some troubling things, and so he wrote uh, this letter to address some of those uh, troubling issues. And all of the issues that Paul addresses really center down uh, to two things, and one is that the child of God, if you're a Christian, you live differently than if you're not. Uh, a child of God, because God's spirit lives within them, and if they're spirit-led, that they live differently than people that are of this world. And so Paul makes that point, and that's one of the two main points Paul's trying to make in this letter in these 16 chapters. And the second one is that we are part of the body of Christ and that we are one in Christ, but the body of Christ is made up of many members. In other words, we're all part of the same body. We're part of one another. And we need to live like that. We need to live like a family of God. Uh, And that should be reflected in how we treat one another, uh, how we uh, treat others that aren't even uh, saved. Uh, And so Paul wraps up this letter with some final admonitions um, to the church that we want to take a look at because I think it's important that we... Uh, live a life that honors God. And a life that honors God is a giving life. And so this morning I want us to talk about giving it away. Perhaps one of the most remarkable and famous passages of, or verses in the Bible is John 3.16. You probably remember it. If you don't know it, go ahead and try to work on memorizing it. But it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God shows us how living for him is a giving life. And this morning we're going to talk about three marks of a giving life. So let's take a look, beginning in uh, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given orders uh, to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, 
uh, lay something aside, uh, storing up uh, as he may prosper that there be no collection when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it's fitting that I go also, they'll go with me. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And uh, it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but let uh, send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting uh, for him in, uh, with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come with you, uh, come to you with the brethren, uh, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Watch, stand fast in the faith, and be brave, be strong. Let all that you be, do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, uh, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of uh, Stephanus and Fortinius and Achaeus, uh, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, uh, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you uh, heartily uh, in the Lord with the church that is in, the ha in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation uh, with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So what a, a wonderful letter that Paul has written to us that we have and call 1 Corinthians. Uh, we have two of the letters that Paul wrote uh, to 1 Corinthians. He wrote at least three, perhaps four. Uh, and we know that from some of the other letters. And in 2 Corinthians, he mentions two that he had sent previously. Um, but God's providence was that these two uh, be included in his word. Uh, and so they've been preserved. And uh, as Paul says in Timothy, all scripture is given by God. And it's profitable and, and good uh, for us that we would heed it. And, uh, and so Paul is wrapping up and gives some very practical uh, marks of what it means uh, to be a child of God. And one of the things that marks the child of God is that we understand that God's people are called to be supportive. God's people are called to be supportive. Paul opens this chapter talking about uh, an offering. Uh, 
uh, that was going to be taken up for the needs uh, of the saints, uh, likely in Jerusalem. Uh, it says, you know, listen, the churches in Galatia, they are uh, taking it up, and you also should participate. Uh, and so one way that we're supportive of our brothers and sisters in Christ is by our offerings. Now, there are tithes, and, and God expects us to tithe our, our income, and uh, appreciate those of you that do that and give faithfully to the Lord, and God uses that to, to build his kingdom and to support his church. Uh, God's people uh, have always been God's program of supporting and sustaining God's work. Uh, as God blesses us, he says, you take a part and you set it aside for the Lord. And then Paul is saying, you're, in addition to your tithes, he's not talking about a, taking the place of our tithes, but in addition, that we're to set aside things as the Lord has prospered us and given us so that we can help others when needs arise. Remember the church, at, uh, as it began, the church of Acts uh, Book Acts chapter 2 said that they held all things in common so that when one had need, it could be uh, met. didn't mean they were socialists, but rather it meant that when uh, they loved one another so much that when one had a need, it was met by a brother or sister in the Lord. So it might be financial, it might mean money, but it could not. It might mean prayers. Sometimes our prayers are the most important support that we can give one another. And we certainly ought to pray for one another. It might mean helping in tangible ways. It might mean taking a meal to someone who's sick or has lost a loved one. It might be sending a note or a card of encouragement to somebody that's going through a difficult time. But Paul wants us to understand that we as children of God have a responsibility to support one another. And so he mentions, he mentions uh, Timothy, young Timothy, and he says, when Timothy comes to you, you treat him right, and you be supportive of him, and you make sure that he gets to me, because I'm waiting for him. And so are the brethren. He says, don't despise him. You listen to him. And you support him. You help him along uh, the way. Uh, and he mentions other brothers and sisters along with Timothy uh, by name. So if you're a child of God, your life is marked by being supportive of God's work and God's people. And so if we're not supportive, if we don't give our, our money to the Lord, and if we don't take time to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and if we're not open and available to uh, God, then we're not His. Jesus said it this way. Jesus, by the way, talked more about money than just about any other subject. Because Jesus understood that what has a man's checkbook has his heart. When you look at your bank statement, 
we don't, nobody writes checks anymore. We use our debit card, uh, usually. Uh, most people, the only check they write anymore is probably a tithe to the church. Um, but as we look at our bank statement and we see where our charges are, where we've spent our money, and how we've budgeted things, what is important to us becomes pretty clear, pretty quickly. If we look at our bank statements and we, we look at our budget, you know, we see we've given $5 to the church or to other causes. It probably should be an indicator to us that we're not supporting the Lord like we ought to. And it's not about money. The, the, the focus is not on money. It's about our heart. And if our heart is right with God, because when our heart is right with God, God's not going to have to punish us, and he's not going to have to twist our arm to get us to give. We're going to give joyfully. In fact, Scripture says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And so we give that the amount is not what the most important thing is. What's most important is our heart. Because when our heart is right with God, the rest of it takes care of itself. And when our heart is right with God, we want to support God's work financially. We want to support God's people. And so Paul says, one of the most important things you do as a child of God is you support God's work and God's people. And I'm thankful that God's work and God's people includes First Free Will Baptist Church and those of us that make up this great church. I'm thankful for that. But I'm more thankful that God's work and God's people encompasses much more than First Free Will Baptist Church of Pearl, Mississippi. I'm thankful that it's not just Free Will Baptist that God's work makes up, but there's all kinds of, of different folks that make up the, the family of God. And while it, the world sees us fighting with one another, what they ought to see us do is love one another. And supporting one another. That's why, and you know, for instance, this week as we go and we support our sister church, uh, their revival, uh, we go because we want to support them. Um, and uh, we have that responsibility. And next week we'll receive our world missions offering. Why do we give? By the way, if you didn't know, our church tithes on our offerings so when you give a dollar to the church the church uses 90 cents of it and 10 cents of it goes to uh, outside things, missions and uh, our state cooperative plan and different things like that support God's work uh, in other ways beyond our church why do we do that because we understand that it's not just about our church it's not about us. It's about God's work. And I tell you that if you're not supportive of God in working in other places, 
you're not going to be supportive of God working in you and where you're at either. God has always had a heartbeat for the world. He's always desired all people to know him. And so Paul says in without pulling any punches, if you are going to be a child of God, you are going to support God's work and God's people. The second thing he says is that the second mark of being a child of God, not that just we're supportive, but understand secondly that God's people are called to be sure. We're called to be sure. Paul says in verse 13, watch and stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. And in verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. And so Paul wants us to understand that as God's people, yes, we're supportive, but yes, we also are sure. In other words, we're, we're uh, sure-footed might be a better way. Uh, to say that we're solid in our faith and how we believe we're not, as he says, uh, carried about with every strange wind of doctrine that blows our way, but we know what we believe, we know what God has said, we know what God has called us to do, and we do it. There are a lot of people in the world, and, and maybe you've been one, I know I have been at various times in my life, that are fervent serving the Lord one minute, but then circumstances or things come their way and they lose their love and they lose their luster for the Lord. And Paul says, you know what? If you are a child of God, you're going to be a child of God even when your world falls apart. Even when things are not going your way. Even when you don't particularly like somebody that God has called you to love, you do it because you know that's what you're supposed to do. There are some people, I'm thankful we don't have any that I'm aware of anyway, uh, at least right now in our church. There, there's people sometimes, the Christian church, they're church poppers. They'll hang out in one church for a month or two. And then they go on somewhere else for a month or two, and they go somewhere else for a month or two, and they go somewhere else for a month or two. And I tell you, that's probably not what God has called them to do. You can't be planted and you can't grow when you're not connected to a local body of believers. Now, I'm not saying you can't be saved without being a part of a local church, but what I am saying, what I think Scripture backs up, is you cannot be the child of God God created you to be without being plugged into a local Bible-believing church. And by be, being plugged in doesn't mean just showing up occasionally. It means being involved, being supportive. Not being a church hopper. Saying, Lord, I want to be a worker, and I want to be where you want me to be. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, God sometimes does move his workers different places. He sent Paul various places, and Timothy is being sent various places. But usually, God's will for us is to 
be planted where he puts us, and bloom there. God wants you to be a productive child of God. And if you're not being brave, and you're not standing fast in the faith, you're not being strong, you won't be doing that. Not that we always agree with one another, not that we have everything figured out, but that, listen, we know and we trust God and say, God, you know what, I don't understand it. Maybe I don't even like it, but hey, it's not up for me to figure out. It's your job to figure it out. I'm just going to listen to you, and I'm going to follow you. Can I tell you what, that if you're willing to pray that, and if that's your attitude, when you make it and stand before God, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. God asks nothing more of us than to be faithful. It's interesting when secret, servant, secret service agents that are in charge of the currency in our country when are learning about uh, forgery and fake money. You know they don't study fake money? They study the real thing. And by studying and being very familiar with the real thing, even down to how many millimeters thick that piece of paper is supposed to be. And how green that green ink is supposed to be. And how smooth or how rough that paper is supposed to be. They know if something's real or if it's not. And Paul says this, he says, you know what, our faith, is tested by reality, by our actions. It's one thing, and lots of people claim to be Christian, even though less and less people are attending church in America across the country. Still, most surveys will say that greater than three-fourths of Americans claim to be Christians. And yet, I can assure you that 75% of America does not have the markings that we're talking about today. Those things that Paul says are going to be true of your life if you're a child of God. Because they say one thing, but live another thing. And Paul says if you do that, you're not a child of God. He says you be sure who you have believed in. And you be sure that you belong to Jesus Christ. And you be sure about the doctrine that the Bible teaches and you stand upon it even when it's not politically correct or popular. And friends, a lot of times it is, isn't it? You know what doing's right is not always popular. And it's usually not easy. But that doesn't change the fact that it's right. And that we are called by God to be sure. To be authentic. To let the love of God that's come into our life flow out of our life. Because here's the thing, if God's love has really permeated your heart, it will come flowing out.
even when you don't want it to. When you can love your enemies and you can bless those that persecute you, as Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, that's God's love flowing out of you. That's how that's able to happen. Because left to our own flesh, that doesn't happen. Our flat, yeah, we'll, we'll love those that are easy to love. We'll love our family when they do what we want them to. But listen, do you always look, you know, agree with everything your family members do? No, you don't. You don't even agree with all the stuff you do. And what you think sometimes. And so Paul says, listen, you understand that you are authentically saved and that you have an authentic relationship with Jesus and that is characterized by what comes out of your life. He says, if you've received God's love, then everything you do, do it out of love. We pray for for those that are hurting. We pray for other churches. We pray for... Uh, Christians around the world in various needs. Why do we do that? And why do we send money to different places to help with various projects? Because the love of God is in us. And we understand that this work and this life, in fact, is not about us at all. But it's about God working in our life and working through our life. And so Paul says, listen, God's people, if you're a real child of God, your life is going to be marked by being supportive of God's work and God's people. But God, you're also, it's also going to be marked by being sure. But then here is perhaps the hardest part of it. God's people are called to not only do those two things, but the last mark is God calls you to be surrendered. It says, your life as a child of God, the mark that's going to be on you, if you're a child of God, is going to be a mark of surrender. Surrender to God's will. Surrender to God's work. Because sometimes God's will and God's work doesn't match up with us. And sometimes it doesn't match up with what we want. And so that becomes a test of whether we really belong to the Lord or not. And that test, that the answer, the result is, do we get our way or do we do, surrender and do things God's way? There's probably not one of us that at some point in our life, in our Christian walk, said, you know what? And I know I've got this tithe, and I know I need to give this to the Lord, but I sure do like that boat, and this might make a down payment on that boat. Well, and with this boat, I can take missionaries deep sea fishing, and I can use it as an object lesson, and so maybe I can use this tithe money and buy my boat. Well, if we pray about that, really, what's God going to tell us? He said, listen, dummy, you put that in the offering box, uh, and 
let me deal with it. And if I want you to have a boat, you'll get a boat some other way. It might be say, you know, say, hey, listen, I need to understand that God has put leaders in my church to help me in my walk. And not only do I need to be supportive of them, but I need to listen to them. Not that we give blind allegiance. I tell you, when you give blind allegiance to an earthly person, you're in trouble no matter how good that person may be. Because there is not one of us that's perfect. There's only one human being that's walked this earth that's ever been perfect, and none of you are him. And neither am I. And I've known lots of people, unfortunately. When a pastor leaves a church, they go and find another church too. Because they weren't in church because God put them there. They were there because they were following a man. And that's not good and healthy. And it's not good for us just to, uh, you know, follow worldly leaders either. Paul is not talking about this blind allegiance that just goes with the flow or goes what leaders tell us to do. But it's, Paul says it this way, he says, as I follow Christ, you follow me. Well, sometimes, maybe Paul went away I didn't want to go. So I said, "Mm, I don't like that way, I don't think I'm going to do that. Well, if we're a child of God and we're being marked by God, and then... We follow what God has directed, and we follow God's leaders. So it, it, you know, if I, as your pastor, or anybody else that's your pastor, or uh, your Sunday school teacher, or anyone else that's teaching God's Word, tells you to do anything contrary to this book, who are you supposed to believe? You better believe this book. And listen, that's why it's so important, by the way, that you have this book and that you read it and that you study it and that you live it. And can I tell you that if you're not surrendered to the Lord, you're not going to. And so Paul says, listen, you be surrendered to God and you be surrendered to God's plan for your life. As he said in the last chapter, he said, you know, you plan out your day and say, I'm going to do this and this and this. Well, he said, that's rather arrogant of you. He says, rather you should say, if the Lord wills, I'll do this and this and this. Because it may not be God's will. And so Paul says, if it's the Lord's will, I'm going to come and stay with you. I hope to be able to spend some time with you. The Holy Spirit on various occasions as you read through the book of Acts, allowed Paul to go some places. The Holy Spirit also forbid him to go some places. Not that the places necessarily were bad, but it just wasn't God's timing and where God wanted Paul to be. And so guess what Paul did? Paul said, even so, Lord, come quickly. He said, God, not my will, but yours, just like Jesus prayed. And when you're surrendered, that's your attitude. 
the reason Jesus could pray that is because he had the love of God. He was the love of God. And when we're able to pray, not my will, but yours be done, it's because we are surrendered to the Lord. And God calls his people to be surrendered. And so that means when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you obey. And when he convicts you over a sin that's in your life that you need to get rid of, you obey. And when he sends you to uh, do a task, you do the task. And you keep doing it and you're faithful to it until you've completed it. So he says, you know what? My love is with you in Christ Jesus. How are we able to support? And how are we able to be sure about our faith and our walk with the Lord? And how are we able to be surrendered? This is how, because we love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. Jesus said that was the first most important commandment. And remember, he said, the second's like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the other laws. And all the things that the prophets taught about come down to those two things. But being a child of God today in 2022 still comes down to those same two things. Do we love God with everything that we have and everything we are? And does that love show in how we treat other people? Paul says, listen, you are the body of Christ. You're the family of God. Act like it. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I'm not suggesting we all go out smooching this morning. But the idea of what, that Paul wanted to get is that you need to be, understand that you're a family. That you're part of one, that God has put you. And I don't believe any of you are here and part of our church by accident. I believe you're here because God wanted you to be here. And Leslie, I believe that God sent us here to this place. And we're thankful for that. And we love you and we... Hope you love us. And sometimes it's easy to love one another. Sometimes it's not very easy. And that's when you know you really love a person. Is when you love them even when it's hard. Even when you're disappointed in them. Even when you disagree with them. So the thing about surrender is not necessarily being surrendered to the preacher or being surrendered to the deacons or your Sunday school teacher. It's being surrendered to God Almighty. And if you're surrendered to God, everything else is going to take care of itself. And so Paul says, listen, these three things ought to be true of your life if you're a child of God. You ought to be supportive of God's people and God's work. You ought to be sure, sure-footed. You shouldn't be bouncing around. You shouldn't be in and out, and in and out, and in and out. You shouldn't be on the fence. God's people, you remember, they oftentimes waffled whether they were going to be faithful to God or whether they weren't. 
Fortunately, we still do that sometimes, don't we? And it's not healthy for us, and it's not good. And then thirdly, Paul says, listen, the third mark that's going to be on your life if you're a child of God is you're going to be surrendered. You're going to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God that when God speaks to you, you're going to obey. You're not going to say, well, I need to think about that. I, I don't know about I, that. That's probably that Taco Bell I ate for lunch. That ain't the Holy Spirit talking. But when we're surrendered to God, we do things even when it's hard, even when it's inconvenient. Because by God calling us to do hard things and difficult things and things we don't want to do, you know what he's doing? He's making us into the image of his son, Jesus. He's working in us to make sure and to help us to look more and more like Jesus. And for us to be able to have more and more Jesus in our life. And by that, I'm not saying that, you know, we get more and more saved. You're saved once and you're saved as you're ever going to be. But you're called to grow in the effects of that salvation. And you do that by supporting, by being sure, and by being surrendered. So are those three things true of you this morning? I didn't ask you, are you perfect? That's not one of those three marks, is it? But Paul says these three things are the mark of a child of God. If you're saved, you're supported. And you're sure. And you're surrendered. Let's pray again. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. And Lord, thank you that you make us part of your family. Though we are so undeserving. And we're so unworthy and we fail you so often. Yet you call us son, or you call us daughter. And Lord, we pray that if there's one here today or one watching on the internet that doesn't know you, would you help them today to surrender their life to you, to begin a new life, a life that will change who they are. But Lord, maybe there's one of your children that are saved, but Lord, as they look at their life and they think about these three marks, they're not as true as they should be. And Lord, maybe there's one here that needs to call out to you and rededicate their life to you. Lord, help us to be surrendered to you. That when you speak, we listen. And when you call, we go. Help us to be sure-footed in our faith and stand on your word and be faithful to what your word calls us to do and believe. And help us to be supportive of your people and your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. And we're going to sing a hymn of invitation and God spoke into your heart this morning. Now is the time and this will be a great day and a great place.
who say, Lord, I'll surrender to you.